0: of my sermon is called the rudder. So the meaning of a rudder, my kids were like, what's, what's a rudder? Because we don't use that word in our house. Um, it's an underwater blade that is positioned at the stern of a boat or ship. See, I've got to read the, the meaning and controlled by its helm that when it turned causes the vessel's head to turn in the same direction, right? Like bits in a horse's mouth, you're going to control it that where you pull that the horse is going to go. That's the meaning of our rudder. So this is in the context of words. So our words have the ability to bring wholeness and healing, or they can bring devastation and harm. What are your words doing to yourself and to others? What kinds of words are you leaving with others from the conversations that you have with them? Do your words hinder? Do they heal? Do they bite or do they bless? So the word blessing oftentimes comes with a connotation of something that is materialistic. Blessing with the spoken word of God or with a, spoken, with a spoken word, it is God's idea. It's never ours. Words are seeds that we sow into the lives, in our lives, and into the lives of those around us. Most of the times we choose to curse rather than to bless. It is just the natural way of the human being is that it's just easier to speak a curse than it is to speak a blessing. Scripture teaches that as well. God's way is the reverse of our way of thinking. Everything in him is perfect and it is good. Every word that comes out from the, from the voice of God that's written in the Holy Bible, it is perfect and it is good, Right? So a huge struggle in life is in the area of being rightly related to others. It's in our relationships. Oftentimes, because of this challenge, we choose words of cursings rather of blessings. So you see where I'm going with this? Okay. Proverbs 18.21, it says, life and death are in the power of our tongue. I'll read just a few scriptures here. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones pleasant words are health to our bones proverbs twelve twenty five. the heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop but a good word makes it glad so our good words it has the ability to lift those around us i love my bff sitting right there amy because she's always speaking a word of encouragement to me even last night mira what you doing she had to call me and just kind of encourage me so we need that it makes a low heart raise up. Being an instrument of God's love is my first point of this sermon. So where I'm I'm covering three points, being an instrument of God's love, recognizing what puts us on pause, and increasing our capacity to receive. That's where I'm headed with this. So one, being an instrument of his love. The word enemy, when we think of this, we oftentimes think of a person who is perhaps against us. Another meaning of the word enemy, it's, um, it's a thing that harms, And it weakens something else. So how about this? So this is how I think about the word enemy in my life. It is a fact versus the truth. The truth is God's word. Fact may be this, that I'm going through this. um, Somebody's against me like this. But the truth is what God's word says. And that determines the course of our lives. Like that rudder in the ship, the word of God determines, you know, where we're going to end up in this world. So perceived enemy is someone who cuts me off while I'm driving. Have you ever had that? No road rage, right? Um, Someone who talks badly about you. A rebellious child. You know, why does that child just hate me? They just don't listen to anything that I say. Think about what's coming out. A prodigal son, one that's walked away. You know, he, he just probably wishes that I was dead, wants nothing to do with me. I mean, we've, we've all had stuff like this in our families, in our lives. A diagnosis of a disease, something has come. The fact may be that, yes, a doctor's diagnosis, it's cancer, it's leukemia. See, all these are things that come against us, that causes harm. These are just a few of, ex- of the examples that I have here as a perceived enemy. But when a thought comes into our minds about these people or things, though it may be factual... If the thought itself is antagonistic towards the word of God, if it exalts itself above the word of God, any knowledge. So if knowledge comes from the world, truth comes from the word, the word of God. Okay. So we have the world ways and the word. Okay. So truth comes from the word. But if that thought or those words are antagonistic towards what the word of God says, it is not a true thought. Get that? Facts is never true, beloved. It isn't. True comes from God. Philippians 4 said that we are to cast our minds on things that are good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is true. That is what the word calls us to to place our minds on. When Hannah, and Hannah gave me permission to talk about Hannah, because I know what happens when I start seeing people, I can go all kinds of examples, but my Hannah gave me permission. When she was just in second grade, I had um, a conference with her teacher. So as we're sitting there, you know, Hannah was just, she's kind of struggling in class. And I'm sitting there, and the teacher's telling me, you know, what's happening, and I'm patiently listening because I'm looking for the solution. I'm thinking, you know, you're the teacher, but I'm really teaching her at home, so I need to help you. Give me something to work with. But here's what the teacher said over my Hannah. She said, well, I see Hannah as a solid B student. and went like that to me. You have to know me. And I looked at her and I put my hand on my Hannah and I looked at her and then I looked at Hannah and I said, I see Hannah as making all A's because she's quite capable. And Hannah can do anything that she sets her heart to do. Okay. She can do anything that she sets her heart to do. So the focus is because I know that God says in his word, that might have been the fact that there was a struggle in school in second grade and her little eyes looked up at me and thinking, is, is that what I have to believe that all I could do is be's mom. I could see it just going through her, but I know what God says. And he said that anything that we put our minds to do, we can do it. So the truth superseded the fact, get it. So talking in the context of relationships Matthew 544, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully uses you and persecutes you, and perhaps this from Luke 628, and I'm going to read this because this is so good, y'all love it too, so it comes from the message paraphrase, to you, this is Luke 628, to you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies, let them bring out the very best in you and not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. So a couple other scriptures, Romans twelve fourteen, and first Peter three nine from Amplified, and I will read this. And never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Avoid scolding, avoid berating and any kind of abuse, but on the contrary, give a blessing. Give a blessing. Pray for one another's well being, contentment, and protection. And this is a part I want to hone in on. For you have been called for this very purpose. You, beloved, every one of us in this room, over the internet, we have been called for this very purpose that we might inherit a blessing from God that brings well being, happiness, and protection. So there is a blessing to inherit as we speak what God speaks. All right? That's good? So the word eulogio in Greek. Okay, it's where we get our English word eulogy from it is to praise it is to celebrate with praises invoke blessings on someone to consecrate a thing with solemn prayers, ask God's blessing on a thing pray to God to bless it to one's use pronounce a consecratory blessing on it. Like what we brought up Alyssa here to do. We were pronouncing a blessing over Alyssa's life that where she goes, God goes with her. He goes ahead of her. He makes a way for her that there is no right or left that she will ever turn that God will not be with Alyssa. She is covered. Okay, so that's what we proclaim over our children, over those that we love. But we're talking about some things that even the ones that we love can bring hardship. You know, God has used the relationships in my life, from my marriage to my children to, you know, my my parents, my siblings, to show me everything that's ugly in me. Because, who kn- you know, I don't know about you all, but for me, I'll speak for myself. And the relationships that we love, the ones that we love the most are the ones that we hurt the most. And sometimes the thoughts that come up to my head, you know, when I'm being like rubbed the wrong way, and then I have to step back. Like I said, a bad word, my little one sitting up here, and I wasn't planning on saying this. Um, it was a three-letter bad word, and you can guess what that is. Because he was doing something, you know, just, and I was just really precious coming in from the day, and I said, you're just acting like and that word. And he looked at me, and he, it, it didn't move Elijah at all. He backed up and he started laughing. Ooh, I wonder what your pastor would think about that. I said, <laughs> I said ooh, I'm going to tell him that I said that because it showed me my humanness. It showed me that I still have some things in there that God is wanting to work out of me. Amen? Okay, I'm just being real with you all. So I said the word eulogio comes, our English word eulogy. When do you speak a eulogy? It did. <laughs> and then we're feeling all guilty because we really, you know, we may not have liked them before they died, but then we get to the funeral. Well, I really like so And they're really such a, you know, such a nice person. How about we start practicing speaking, while they're living, right? So the person that lied about us, hurt us, Here's what we proclaim. Father, I thank you that so and so, God, that they're going to be used as an instrument of blessing. God, that when these words rise up inside of them, Father, that it would be replaced with something good that has been sown in their lives from the Word of God. That's how we start doing this. And we'll talk about why we're going to start doing this. So we want to be an instrument of God's love, speak what God speaks over every person that comes our way, even the person who is like driving, like, you know like they shouldn't drive, not using their signal, yield, yield. Even those people, we want to speak a blessing. God bless them. Lord, may they be safe in their journey. May they not wreck and hurt anyone else. I mean, speak a blessing, not just God bless them. Okay. Get into what a blessing looks like. So God always, and remember this, you know, so just in thinking about Hannah and that situation, God always points to the potential that's inside of us. He never when he called Gideon forth, he said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon was a judge. He was the biggest coward. He was hiding in the threshing floor, you know, because he was so afraid for his life. But God spoke to Gideon what his potential was. He was, you mighty man of valor. And he called him forth. David was anointed to be king before he ever walked in kingship. Okay? So we want to speak to the potential in others because the Lord sees the end of a matter at the very beginning of the matter right? He sees the best and so should we. Love believes the best. That's what the word teaches. So Hannah, in my presence, my baby girl grew an inch taller. All of a sudden she held her head up because I pointed to what the potential was in Hannah, that Hannah, honey, you can do anything you put your mind to do you know, the teachers may say this, but you have to know what's inside of you. And all of my kids are really confident because we build confidence in them as parents. So we pointed to her potential and not that past grade. That's where we go. All right. So offense usually is something that has already happened. Don't anticipate the, the offense. Don't start thinking, well, they're not going to like me. And because of that, we put up all these arguments Remember the word says we pull down every high imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So when you start arguing in your mind about something that hasn't even happened and you're anticipating it, you're out of the will of God. How do you know they don't like you? Have you said hi? All right. So don't start making things happen that's not there. Okay. Psalms 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law for nothing shall offend them. Nothing will offend us, beloved, if we love what God's word has to say. So point two, recognizing what puts us on pause. So I had to explain this a little bit. Put on pause, it's the things that hinders us in our walk with God or um, the things that may open the door for the enemy to come wide on or right on in. So it's just giving him an inch. Okay, so let's recognize what some of the things, these are not all the things, it's just some that puts us on pause. The Bible teaches us that whatsoever we sow, that also we shall reap. Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth exists, so until God recreates all of this, and even in his kingdom, seed, time, and harvest will remain. It will never stop. In other words, what we sow is what we will reap. We cannot, and that's why I said Kim was stepping all in my message, because we were already, <laughs> I was already preparing, and I saw a pastor's blog, and it's teaching on seed time and harvest. So I was like, Lord, I heard from you. Um, we cannot reap today what we didn't sow for yesterday, okay? I can't sow today what I expect to reap today. But if I plan ahead, you know, if I think, God, I'm going to be purposeful with my words, then I'll receive the blessing of that. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, remember that words are seeds. So here's an example from the Bible. Moses, God's man, man of the hour, Genesis 17 and 20 specifically talks about, you know, when the people were grumbling and complaining. So in my studying for this, I learned some things that I've just never really paid attention to. Like I glanced over the words, a living word, and then it comes alive. And then I'm like really excited that it was in there and I just missed it. But it was for this season. So Moses, in one instant, a single moment, he lost everything that he had left kingship for. He left a palace. He left Pharaoh's present presence. He left, you know, the the good food and the good clothes and just where his head was being shaved and all of these things were happening. You know, where they prepared his bath for him. He left his place of kingship and he chose a life of um, just wandering it was until God called Moses. And even when Moses came forth, Moses was, he was so concerned about himself to not being able to speak, like who's going to hear me and what will I say? So it was all about Moses. And in one moment, we, we truly see this in the scripture. So the scripture talks about, you know, they were mumbling and they were complaining and all of this time, Moses would go to God and he'd say, you know, God, for your name's sake, save the people. For your name's sake, do this. What will people think of you, God, if you don't save your people? So all through this time, Moses is coming to God and he's saying these things. But not once do I see in there, I I didn't find it where God, your people are not so bad, God. They're just not so bad. God, just have mercy with them, Father. Be slow with them. You know, who said that on the cross? Who said that Jesus said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing so Jesus was that but Moses he loved God God used him he was mighty for God but he didn't say you know God the people aren't so bad in fact when he got mad and he lost in one instant he lost access to what he was working for which was the promised land he hit the rock he shouldn't have hit that but not only did he do that before he did that he said you rebels he said must I bring forth water from this rock for you so in one moment, Moses completely magnified himself. Now Moses knew that God can bring forth water from the rock. He did. But what he did in one moment was he glorified himself in that he took a place that only God should have taken, where Moses judged God's people by calling them rebels. And in one instant, God took away what he was working for. Recognize what puts us on pause. With our own mouths from James 3.9, we bless God and we curse his creation his people. God has a promise of great future and a great future for every person that he has created, saved or unsaved. We use the word idiot, stupid, dummy, um, but these are not what he would say over people that he created in his image. Psalms 139 verse 16 says, all of a person's days are planned before they were ever created. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, beloved, plans of peace, plans to prosper you, to give your hope and a future an expected end. And when we start talking about people and saying whatever we want to, what are we, in essence, who are we insulting? Who planned for them? Does God not have something divine that He needs to be prophesied over their life? Who is speaking something that is good? Over the person that cuts us off while we're driving? Who's speaking something good? And that's just a little example. Who um, has asked us that we bless others? The best words that can be spoken over anybody and over any situations, it's God's words. Amen? So Moses called the people rebels. And in Psalms 106, the Bible says, it, it actually says this in King James, it says that Moses exploded and he lost his temper on God's people. So God had his heart on blessing and providing water for these people, for showing them great mercy. That's what the word says. God desired to show them great mercy. But Moses had his heart on their sin. Remember, God sees the end of a matter at the very beginning of the matter. And God always speaks to our potential and never our failures. You want friends around you that are going to bring you up. Not, hey, remember when you did that? Man, that was bad. Remember when you lost your house, you lost your car, you lost this? Why are they pointing you back to the past? Why can't they say, hey, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with you, Miss Louise. Your best day are ahead of you. That's the kind of friends that you need. Not that you're too old, you can't go to New York City. Come on. (laughs) Right? Because we took Miss Louise to New York City and girls, we had a good time. Um, Could it be that we are not experiencing freedom in some area of our life or God's best in our life because we refuse to bless someone with our words? Could it possibly be that there's a pause button on our lives? Many times we think of blessing our enemies with an object. I'll bake them a cake. I'll give them a gift. I'll send them some honey. When, in fact, the hardest thing that we can possibly do is to speak to someone who has hurt us. It is. We just think, see, that's why at the beginning, it's like blessing is a material thing. It's not because God's blessing is all about the spoken word, right? So that is the seed that we're wanting to sow into the lives of others. Let's raise them up. Let's bring people up higher than we found them. When they leave you, they are thinking about, you know what? Debbie really encouraged me today. I I just look so forward to just seeing Debbie because every time I see her, no matter how bad my day is, Debbie's saying, it's going to get better it's going to be okay. Look at what you've done. You've went three steps ahead. You've went two steps back. You're still a step ahead. Look how far you've come, right? So we're wanting to do that with people. So our words can create life or death. If we are speaking death over someone, anything that is not the word of God, anything that the word of God does not declare is the opposite of a blessing. It's a curse and we're speaking against them and we're not doing it. Are we not doing this against the Lord? Are we not doing this against the father? Because according to the words that I've just read from the Bible, he says, as you do, as you do this to the least of these, you're doing it to me. And a lot of times like Moses, you know, Moses, for him to have called the people rebels, he was already a step ahead of them. So they were least in his eyes. You with me? So I'm going to read all of this because this is perhaps one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and it's one, of the hard, it's one of the hardest for me to digest because it always just slaps me. James 3, 2 through 12, the Amplified. For we all stumble in sin in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, and he, male or female, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships, even though they are so large of a vessel and are driven by such strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how great a forest is set on fire by a very small spark. And the tongue is, in sense, a fire, the very word of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among... The members or among members, as that which contaminates the entire body, the smallest member in our body, and sets on fire the course of life of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Verse seven: For every species and beast and birds of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by hum- by the human race, but no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. And here's the two verses that I want to just keep my eyes on. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth both or comes both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, my sisters, beloved, it should not be this way, for we together have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and shows our profound respect for his precepts for his ways okay you can read the rest by yourselves so james teaches us in the book of james this was jesus's half brother and now he's teaching his responsibility was really over the messianic church and he's teaching all of these new believers he's also helping to teach paul Okay, but James, if we look at the language that James talks in, it's really harsh. Okay, the book of James, I mean, count it all joy when you fall into different trials. I'm still working on that one. Um, but James teaches that the tongue, it is set on fire by hell itself. With it, we bless our God in heaven, and then we turn around, blah, 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 and just unleash. We don't want to blow it. We get angry, but the Bible says to be angry and sin not control your tongue, control it. Mark 12, 36 through 37, Holman Christians, every idle word that comes out of the mouth will be used to judge us. Moses was judged by his words. In one moment, he let his temper get the best of him. Matthew twenty five forty. and the king will answer to them, I assure you, whatever you did, again, for the least of these, assuredly you've done it for me. Okay, to him. Um, why not pray this way? So I'll pick on Amy. She's right there. Amy says something really bad to me or about me, and I'm going to go. She doesn't. She only lifts me up. But I asked her if I could pick on her, and she said, sure, if it's not too bad. So why not pray this way? Why not every time? that a hurt has come to your mind that we do what scripture says. Colossians one nine. Father, I pray that Amy would be so filled, God, with a knowledge of your will, filled God with all spiritual wisdom with insight into your purposes and an understanding of spiritual things, so that she will walk in a manner, Father, that is worthy of you, God, displaying admirable character moral courage, and personal integrity. Father, that Amy would walk fully pleasing to you. Now, I pray that way for you all. I pray that way over all of our members. I do. That is my prayer. When I pray for you all, that is my prayer. Why can't we do that when we're faced with opposition in a relationship? Why not use what God says? Try it. It might work. You know, so wouldn't it be prudent for us to think, That God needs someone. Key point here and don't miss this. That he needs someone. He needs us to speak a word, his word, his truth into someone's life so that he can break the hold that the enemy has over them. Because if all we're doing is speaking accusations and judgments and criticism and mumbling and murmuring, well, where does all that come from? Does it not come from the demonic? Does it not? Is that not the Bible calls who is the one that accuses? Who is the accuser of the brethren? It is Satan. So if all we're doing is doing that with people, then whose way are we following? It might be a fact that they are just hindering you in every single way. It might be a fact that every time you come around them, they're hurting you. It might be a fact that they're taking advantage of you. But God's truth says this. And if we speak his words over the life, beloved, hear me, hear my heart with this, because I've seen it work. If we speak the truth, of the matter over their life and profess over them and declare God this is what your word has has called them to father that you have created them with a plan and a purpose God that you would help them to know right from wrong holy spirit that you would show them your word that they would walk in the truth don't you think that heaven may start reacting to those words Because if the kingdom of heaven rallies to the voice of God and the voice of God, we know is the word of God and the will of God is known by the word of God. If all of those things are known by the word, could it not be that when we start saying the word over someone, the heavens start coming to them. But when we're saying things, remember the curse comes easier than the blessing. But when we're saying the curse over them, who's coming for them? Okay. So God is waiting for us to take up our authority to take up the position of blessing and start speaking the blessing over people's life so he can do something with them. He can't do something if all we're doing is handing out a curse. He can't because he is governed by the laws that he set in place. Okay? Is that all right? So we want to reap a harvest of blessing and release the pause button. Speaking what the accuser speaks puts us on pause to be used by God and to be blessed by God. We don't want that. I know none of you all want that. We want to walk in the will and the blessings of God. So point three, and I got to move, increasing our capacity to receive. So we must first recognize that the only truth that we can fully and completely and totally rely on, the one thing in life that we can absolutely rely on without a doubt is God's word. It is the only thing that will stand. When heaven and earth will pass away, God's word will always remain. Because he is not void from his word. He's not apart from his word. His word and him, they're one. But the Lord knows that we struggle with our tongue because he told us all about it. That's why he says, you know, renew your thinking by guarding your heart. So he knows that it's a struggle. And wouldn't you know that one of the first gifts that he gave to us when we got the Holy Spirit, what did he do? He gave us a new tongue. So if you're not a tongue-talking believer, come see me after service and we'll pray. Okay? Okay. But he replaced our tongue with a heavenly language for spirit-to-spirit communion. So when you think about it, there's a reason he did that, because we don't know heaven's language. Apart from him, we don't. So wouldn't it be something that we should pay attention to? Well, God, you did replace it. That's because we have stinking thinking, and stinking thinking will always come out from our mouths. It will. It's just our bend. Um, We must recognize that it is God's desire to teach us truth, that we are to speak a blessing and not a curse. John 16, 13, amplified. But when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide us into all truth, full and complete truth. So if you're hearing lies, things that are factual, it might be a fact, remember. But truth triumphs fact all the time. God's word triumphs every other thing, every other source, of knowledge that we have we have an obligation beloved to intercede for others and stand in the gap for them to be like jesus john 13:35 amplified said by or declares that by this all men will know you that we have love one for another okay that we have unselfish concern for one another so be concerned for others remember hurt people hurt people Pray and ask the Lord to help them. If there is a struggle that may be causing strife in the relationship, ask the Lord to show you how to pray for them. And if you don't know how to pray for them, use your tongues if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit-filled church, um, so we believe in that. So our capacity to receive God's best comes when we consider others better than ourselves, okay? And when we become doers of the word and not hearers only, all of that's in the Bible. We want to receive God's best in our marriage. What are we sowing into the marriages of others? You hear that so-and-so is running around and so-and-so in their marriage. Well, I can't believe that she's doing that with her husband. I can't believe that, you know, he's doing that in his wife. What, when did you stop and say, God, pray what Hosea prayed over his wayward wife? God, I thank you that you're going to put a hedge of protection around him. God, put a hedge that when he goes looking for another, God, that you would remind him of the wife of his youth. God that you would turn his heart back to his wife. Turn his heart back to his children. God that she would not walk away from her marriage, God but you would show her the end of the matter from the beginning. Okay, I was on a roller coaster ride and coming down and I looked at all of my four kids and they were sitting right there beside me and I missed my husband and he's here so bad in that moment. And I thought, God, I don't want to to spend my life with anybody else. I don't want anybody else to have the moments that only he and I were meant to enjoy. So God, I thank you that he is mine and I am my beloved's and that's how I prayed for my marriage. Now we don't always, you know, we rub, we rub. We're human. But in that moment, God showed me that this is what you have to look at. Sometimes beloved, we have to look at the end of a matter. And if you can't see the big picture, get a friend who can show you the big picture. Okay. Get a truthful friend, not a friend that says that you don't need that kind of treatment that, you know, you're just better off. So what are you sowing into the marriages of others? If you want a good marriage or health, what are you speaking over someone's health? You hear that, you know, I don't want to call anybody else out in sickness. So Myrtle will just, I, I've been stuck on the name Myrtle today. Name your car Myrtle. I like Myrtle, Myrtle the turtle. So I've been stuck on the name Myrtle for some reason today. So we hear that Myrtle has cancer. And all we're talking is about that cancer. What are we elevating? What are we elevating? Is the cancer bigger than what God said? God said that by his stripes we're healed. Okay, so what are we elevating with our words? Are we speaking truth or are we speaking fact? The fact is... Myrtle might have cancer. That's what the doctor says. But I know Jesus, and I know that he's a healer, and I know healing was provided for my sister. So instead of talking about how bad she looks and how bad she's suffering, how about speak what God declares, that she will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Okay. So, you know, and, and even to our finances, watch how you speak over finances. And if someone is getting blessed, praise God for them. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't. It's none of your business. Worry about yourself. Okay. Bless them. Say God bless and get in on the blessing. Bless them more. Scatter your seed so it can come back to you. Find a way to be a blessing. Find a way to sow seed. So kingdom results require kingdom thinking and kingdom living requires being doers of the word. Okay. So don't be hearers, be doers. Invoke the blessing of God's word over every person and over every situation in life that you face. Give the same blessing to others that you want to see operating in your life. Give it and you'll get it, okay? So um, some questions for you to consider tonight as we close. When was the last time you truly experienced God blessing others through your words? When was the last time? Go back and think about it. There's some homework for you. Think about when was the last time you spoke a blessing over someone's life and you saw it come to fruition. Does a thought give you pleasure that you are bold enough to tell someone off? And if you do, and if it does, consider Moses. He exalted himself in that moment that he had the right words to cut someone down and look what it cost him. Don't want to be put on pause. And the last question, when was the last time that you declared truth over a harmful fact? When was the last time? So start weighing your facts. Fact is, and for every fact, find a blessing. Find a blessing and start declaring it tonight.